Brandon. Hey, Alan. And welcome to Dice Over Everything, the miniatures gaming podcast. Yeah, so, you know with restaurant menus, with how you've got your sort of mm-hmm. normal restaurant menu, but then when you go to sort of restaurants that are a bit like outside of your mainstream ones, that you start getting like different ways of the menus working. I'm just thinking when you go to high-end restaurants, because when you go to a usual restaurant, you just order like your main and it comes with like an option of sides usually or one particular size that come with it. And if you want more sides, yep. you order them off like the appetizer menu or whatever. But then when you go start going to uh-huh. different re- – when you start going like high-end restaurants, like no, 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 you should be able to customize everything with your meal. Like you have to order your steak as one thing. Then if you want the Brussels sprouts or the, like the vegetables on the side, you have to order that separately and pay separately for that. And like – if you don't mm-hmm. want to have like two sides that come with you, you got to order two sides separately. I don't know. Maybe it's just because mm-hmm. the, the more expensive restaurants don't want to put like an $80 price tag right on the meal. So they're like, no, mm-hmm. just buy like a $40 and two $20 things. But I, mm-hmm. I just get annoyed by those restaurants because like, oh, my God, I can't just get what I want at a normal price. And then when like you go to the restaurants, they're trying to make things like super cheap and fast because they've got like say it's a wedding or say they've got like a special event on. They're trying to just push the people through. Like oh, we've a mm-hmm. price fixed menu. You literally just like mm-hmm. we offer you two things at the whole restaurant. You're like, well, this sucks too. Can't I just have like the normal restaurant menu where I have like some options and it's just like a good combination that comes together. Of options. Yeah, exactly. It's a good pairing. Like there's the right amount of options, mm-hmm. but. You know, you, you don't. What you want and yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know, some restaurants go out of their way, just like some miniature games go out of their way to make things ridiculous. Uh, one way or the other, where they don't give you enough options or they give you way too much, and that is what our topic is about. Mm-hmm. Food and and mm-hmm. really annoying restaurants that we go to after uh, the gaming club, and then also uh, upgrades in miniature gaming. Yeah, things things that come extra, not not included in the base profiles. Yeah, so what is the most common example of, of these miniature gaming upgrades that we want to talk about? I think it's basically war gear and abilities. And even just when I was thinking of that mm-hmm. to start with, it's like, what really is the difference between a piece of war gear and an ability? Because often games will separate those two things. But uh-huh. in your mind, do you think of them as two separate things? Yeah, so we think about this... You know, when we started miniature gaming, we played Warhammer 40,000 Second Edition, and for every guy, there's like a huge list of war gear that you could add. You could give them pistols and swords, and basically anything you would model on the guy, they gave you an option you could give. And then on top of that, they had little cards to give you extra war gear, some that you couldn't even see, like a, a like a force field or a grenade. It's kind of like an RPG almost, the way that you could upgrade these people. Right. And then as it's gone on, they, it, it's, you know, never really stopped. It's maybe ebbed and flowed how much options you could get. Like when it changed to third edition, the options that you had were way reduced. And you, right. And then it's slowly grown up again where you have like you can take a plasma pistol or a rifle or like whatever. Right. Well, or yeah. Bolter, just, sorry. And just thinking back to third edition of Warhammer 40K, like you just had war gear. But then recently we played ninth and there's abilities and not just like abilities that go to one guy there's different abilities for your vehicles there's different tactic cards that give you abilities they just they layered yeah. that whole thing on top as well yeah and then your 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 uh leader gets an extra ability that you choose right these just these upgrades for these people and um yeah i feel like that is the normal way you kind of go about it right like every single game you see has some sort of small upgrades. Like for X-Wing when we played, right? The game almost became about getting the right combination of upgrades onto your ship to make it broken, right? It stopped being about flying your game and then just just became about collecting these little upgrade cards that made your ship super good. And when it started, having these small upgrade cards was fun. But then at some point, it just became bloated and it just became about you know, the upgrades and choosing these things and making this janky list building, which which kind of broke the game. Uh, and then there's the Infinity version, right? Where it's not... You could you could think about it... Infinity has an interesting way about, it, about doing it. It has, like, you have one base unit, and then they have a whole bunch of different profiles where they have different loadouts. And each of them is priced differently. But there's a set number of fixed loadouts that you can choose. 
Yeah, because just thinking about it, like certain units, if you had universal war gear out there, which some games do, mm-hmm. clearly some yep. units are going to make more use of that particular piece of war gear. So you're like, oh, well, I would mm-hmm. only, if this thing's five points, I'm only ever going to put it on like a scout who doesn't already have that gun or has like, if you're a regular Marine, has something too similar to it. You're like, no, I'm only going to put this on yeah. like a cheap unit or I'm only going to put this big gun on the expensive unit because I don't want it to get destroyed. Yeah. There's just things yeah. like that where... Or a tougher guy, yeah. Mm-hmm, we're doing war gear at fixed points doesn't make so much sense. So Infinity solves yeah. that by basically being like, okay, here's different variants of the guys, and here's what it costs to have this weapon on this particular guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Um, so obviously we just mentioned like a whole bunch of different games that we talked about. Frostgrave has it when you pick up equipment and you can, can swap them in. Um, what do you feel like is the main reason for these upgrades? Because for a lot of these games, you're already picking units, right? Yeah. Why do they have this this upgrade on top of these units? Why do they do this? Like, what what is the 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 point if you're already just picking and choosing? Why not just say, oh, you have this unit or you have this unit? Yeah, I, I guess that enough. Want, I don't. I guess they don't want to write too many units, and they want to feel like they're giving you customization through just like more minute changes to the unit even though like some of the some pieces of work you can hugely change what a unit does so mm-hmm. i'm just i'm thinking they just want to make it feel like you can get your super special snowflake thing going on nice you said the magic word that's what i was hoping you'd say yeah mm-hmm. i feel like the main thing is actually super special snowflake right because you look at you know uh sister games to wargaming games that are similar let's say in the computer gaming space or in the historical space, right? Where they don't have as many upgrades, right? Because you're just playing with blocks of inventory um, that are more, not not generic, but more like tailored to the actual thing. So so if you're playing a historical battle, you can't give your, your guy, like what if this guy had like entirely different weaponry, right? Because you're actually trying to mimic an actual battle. So you're taking these units that had those things, right? Had Had the loadouts, right? So there's not really upgrades for that. And then on top of that, for um, for things like uh, StarCraft or things like that, right? There's not really upgrades you can get for the units. You just get the units and you choose units, right? StarCraft is like a, um, a real-time strategy game, right? A lot of these games, these strategy games on the computer, um, don't have the ability to upgrade these people, right? Yeah, I'm thinking that might have a bit to do for those games you mentioned in relation to the size of the game as well. The war gear becomes more ideal at certain sized games, as mm-hmm. in small ones rather than big ones. Yeah, I, I those, feel like it's it's the special snowflake thing that it makes it feel like your army feels more personal to you, right? Mm-hmm. This army could, you know, I, you and I could bring the same basic troops and units. Um, but because of the war gear I chose, you know, this is my version, right? This is the kind of the customizability that leans into the greatness of miniature gaming, where you're painting things up and you're assembling them, and you can put a twist, especially fantasy version, where you're not just trying to copy, like, a historical thing, but mm-hmm. you can put your own twist to make it you. And then the war gear adds an in-game version of those kind of twists, and it especially goes back to, like, where it started out, right? Where you had to model the unit to, to use the war gear, right? Because it was like, what you see is what you get. So if you have a plasma gun and you want to run a plasma gun, the model should have the plasma gun. And I feel like it was actually the reverse. It's when someone modeled a cool gun, they're like, I have this cool gun. It's a super special and super cool. I spent so much time making the, you know, the, the energy look like the energy barrel on the top look like it's crackling with energy. Let's add a special rule to it to make it super cool and special, right? Because this is my, let's say, Inquisitor or, or Space Marine Captain. And I feel like that's how it kind of is born, right? To kind of say, okay, so then, you know, it, you have a captain and your guy has your cool weapon. Well, my guy has this cool lightning sword. Okay, so then what are we going to do? Even though they're the base unit, we want to change them a little bit, right, to make them interesting. And even if it doesn't change the overall way you play the army, 
it's fun to be able to say my guy's different because you know this is how i modeled this is how i created it this is how i chose them right like we say super special snowflake which makes it sound all negative mm-hmm. and there but, is some pejorative nature of it because yeah. you know this there, there, there can be a you can go too far but i i you know i'm a super special snowflake <laughs> i want my armies to look cool and be personalized to me and, and the effort that i put into it and having those rules on the tabletop make it interesting and fun even if they don't necessarily impact significantly the way the army plays yeah because the whole thing of the miniature game on like playing a video game is you're choosing like you're choosing how you paint the guys you're choosing as you said if you want to convert them to have extra weapons you're choosing like where they're where they're fighting like by basing them differently so you're already like customizing huge amounts just visually so it makes sense on the other end of building the army itself to have some element of customization yep so i'm like totally for it i think it's a really good thing and i think that's the main reason honestly for it and the and um yeah i think this is one of those things where i've just come kind of i used to not be used to not like it because oftentimes I would come at, at these games and think about like the idealist armies for just like strategy, right? Like War Machine doesn't have that many upgrades. I don't even know if... Oh, no, it has like upgrade solos ta- that you add on. Yeah, same thing, with, right? same thing with Song of Ice and Fire. You kind of add stuff yeah. onto the unit. Yeah, you, yeah, that's how you do it. So it's not as as much... But those upgrades are more about changing the units for different gameplay, right? Mm-hmm. And I think having gone and played different games like Frostgrave, more thematic games, I do f- get enjoyment seeing, you know, my, let's say, my Ranger having slightly different equipment, even though overall they do the same thing, but my Ranger is just a little bit better at let's say long range shooting and your ranger is a little bit better at moving faster let's say you're taking damage just those kind of tweaks help to make it feel more alive and make make each of our armies or warbands feel um more individual and more more personalized and i well, think that Fro- matters well frost goes, goes differently worth like down the miniature agnostic route and it's very open about what the weapons are. Like, do you have a big weapon? Do you have a small weapon? Do you have a crossbow? Do you have a bow? It yeah. stays really vague, so it's it's not really... F- like, yeah. whatever you model, it kind of works for it. Yeah, and the thing with Frostgrave is kind of interesting is that you basically don't choose them, right? You, have a, you choose oh. your initial loadout, mm-hmm. and then to get the extra equipment let's say you have so so equipment for for units the base units you can only every unit can only have one piece of equipment um but you have to find or buy the equipment and generally it's about finding equipment right because the buying is like a lot more expensive and so the way that you equip quote unquote like choose and to to what your units have upgraded is that is you get equipment and then you sell the stuff you don't want, right? And that's how you kind of pick and choose. Yes, the problem with that, though, is like you've probably already built your guys, and then midway through the campaign, if you really want to do that, you've got to build more, and you don't necessarily know if you can use that miniature again the next time you do a campaign, if you really, really specifically model an item. Well, that's the the kind of thing, how how, uh, Frostgrave works around that, is that you can only upgrade a unit with equipment that is of the same type that it has, right? Yep. Therefore, you know, they might have a male, like male armor, but, or heavy armor. If you get, you know, a magical heavy armor, well, you're still wearing heavy armor, right? So the unit still looks correct, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's not like you start with a light armor and then you upgrade and you give heavy armor and then you're like, oh, well, this guy doesn't look like they have heavy armor. That doesn't make any sense. Right. Yeah, so in that game, all the units are pretty close together. So when you send, give a guy with heavy armor, you give a guy with bigger weapons, it kind of just moves them towards one of the profile, even though they're all just a bunch you of... You can't give like, them bigger weapons. A well, guy with big weapons you can't a get a... Hey, you choose yeah, a guy exactly. with a big weapon. So, yeah, so you can't... A guy with a small weapon can't upgrade to a bigger weapon, and that's how they kind of solve that longer thing. But the upgrades are, I feel like, really important for 
Frostgrave and indeed any kind of campaign play. Because, again, we're, we're talking about, you know, the upgrade over time uh, gives you the feeling of, you know, growth and uh, individualism and, and the fact that it, it's your army, right? Mm-hmm. This is your army that's gone through its kind of things and it's upgraded and it's grown, right? And that kind of feels like you're giving your warband, you know, you're seeing the life and times of your warband as it grows and changes, right? Yeah, it's it's interesting there that you're not choosing the changes, but the changes are kind of choosing you. But you choose who who gets to use them in your army, so you have somewhat of an option. Yeah. Yeah, and so I think, yeah, and there's still choices that you can do, like... I feel some people complain about Frostgrave because there's not enough player choice, right, of the upgrades you choose. Mm-hmm. When you play a lot of other games, um, a lot of newer games, they allow you to choose, like when you level up a guy, they allow you to have an option to choose the upgrade. Like in uh, Blood Bowl uh, or the new Necromunda, you can choose the upgrade, right? Each upgrade has a different price and you choose it. Whereas in the old Necromunda, you had to basically only get random. You could choose, like, I believe the the general uh, grouping for the ability you want, right? Like, like if you want to use, you want to upgrade, like, brawn or scale or something like that. And then, but you can't, you still roll for it. So it's still, it's still random, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas the new one, you get to just be like, okay, I'm just going to choose this one because it's good and i feel like that's that's what i want to make my character better do you think that's better or worse for for how they they do the upgrades so i don't know i think i think at a certain point once you have too many options to choose from for upgrades do you start just trying to min max too too much it becomes too Mm -hmm. much of the game is just like tweaking all your weapon choices to be perfect rather than kind of just like setting your guys up in some basic thing and then having some more random stuff appear for you that you make decisions on rather than having just like unlimited choice yeah it feels a little bit unrealistic as well Mm -hmm. like when you are training it you know if you if you've worked at all you can't just there's some sort of direction you get but it doesn't necessarily make sense that you can exactly choose the upgrades. No, you don't have a perfectly equipped. You don't have a perfectly yeah, equipped person. like weapons locker, or a perfectly equipped like ammo bunker. It's like no. And perfectly equipped like training that everyone learns the exact same thing. Let's say there's an ideal three traits that you want. Literally everyone is going to learn those exact three traits. Like that's not realistic. When you're looking at, you know, when people, let's say when you're working, right, as people get better in the job, they don't all get better in the same way. Even if you'd say like, oh, ideally, we want everyone to be like this this one person. Not everyone is going to get better to become that, you know, little mini versions on the same path of being as good as that person. Unless you live in, uh, unless you work in like a nightmare company where they treat you yeah. as a widget. Yeah, and just in terms of game balance, like people are going to be able to break the game balance so much more easily when they can choose to perfectly min-max things, and netlists will become more of a thing. So I don't think it's so good for the game to be able to choose everything perfectly. Yeah, so like, basically for every, almost, I guess there's some good thing in saying, you know, having some sort of, giving your your, your players agency, feeling like they get to choose somewhat the path, because again, like, entirely random is also not realistic, right? But like, some sort of, some sort of uh, like winnowing of the abilities you have, like like the grouping mm-hmm. in in the old Necromunda where you get to choose. Oh, I'm, this guy's you know learning something about being stronger, right? Because he did a lot of things to make himself stronger. Choosing that as opposed to just like totally random, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I feel like there's definitely some sort of balance. So you are losing stuff if it's totally random, but like. Choosing exactly just feels weird, for sure. Yeah, the, the one game that you can choose exactly <clears throat> that I think has an okay balance to it is Gaslands, where you mm-hmm. choose your base car, and then all the weapons that go on it are your choice. Mm-hmm. But you have a- Yeah, it makes sense, because you're building the car and upgrading it, right? Mm-hmm. Do you choose, though, the skills that you get from your, pi- your, your drivers, though, when you yeah, upgrade? You ch- yeah, you choose those. Oh. I feel like the, the, that, the that pilot might, skills, mm-hmm. sorry, the driver skills might be cooler if they're a little bit more random. Yeah, I'd agree. 
and then you obviously you know you're up, upgrading your car of course you're going to be choosing right because you have to pay and that's supposed to be downtime where you're building up your car it makes sense that you would choose those upgrades right yeah and because and you only have two or two to three cars when you start that why not give the players lots of options because there's not there's not too much else going on so that basically is like the army building is your ability upgrades Whereas once you get to like 40k scale, when you're choosing weapons for every person in an army of like 70 mm-hmm. guys, it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, I guess it's the kind of thing where, where you're talking about the difference between skills and weapons and what's the difference. Yeah. It's almost like weapons and, and equipment should be chosen, right? Because you're going out and finding them or purchasing them. That mm-hmm. makes sense where you can equip it and choose it. And then the skills should be something that is a little bit more random, that you're not sure what kind of thing you're going to get better at, right? Because, so you know, you, how, would you, how you interact. Yep. How would you it's almost the best way to divide the two. How would you diff? Oh, so that's how you would actually divide them. So how would you sort of choose, like, what what becomes a weapon and what becomes an ability? On the note of food as well, I well, have food I must deal with. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I feel like for the, those two tracks, um, for upgrading, it's, it's almost like just about making, for me at least, it's about making something more thematic, right? So weapons, right? If, if you're talking about, uh, you know, the weapon thing should be like, oh, I'm getting a plasma gun versus a, you know, or, 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 uh, or machine gun, right? That's mm-hmm. the kind of difference you'd put on equipment. Like, so it's more I really just care about the. Th- it's more to me. It, it doesn't even necessarily have to be. It's not about abilities or, or, or changes. It's about theme, right? So it's more as more if like, it sells the idea. Yeah. So you think? Because technically, you're right. Like anything, you could turn quote unquote anything, especially in science fiction and fantasy, into an ability versus a skill. Especially if you're saying, oh, there's magic, right? Mm-hmm. You could be like, oh, this guy has a bow but uh it's a mad they they enchant it with magic so it explodes right Mm -hmm. or you could say oh they found like some bows with exploding arrows right that the bows with exploding arrows would be equipment magically enchanting your arrow so that they explode would be an ability right to me it's more about the theme yeah yeah i think things that more like affect the stats of your attack it's like, okay, that's probably more towards a war gear thing. And things that are like uh-huh. abilities that trigger in circumstances are probably more of an ability thing. But I, yeah, as you said, they can the line can blur between the two. Yeah. And I think because of, you know, the realism and making it feel real, that's exactly like you're saying, right? That's how generally the abilities turn out, right? And that's how the equipment and the armor turns out because, you know, just taking damage or dealing like different kind of attacks are generally based on your weapons and in your armor right but being able to do things that are outside of the ordinary let's say move a little bit faster than people expected or aim better or things like that is often just you know a skill that you get mm-hmm. yeah like one use one use things yeah. but of course you could just have equipment mm-hmm. that does that you can have a war gear that says oh it gives you plus one shoot as opposed yep. to your guy's just better at shooting so it's you know eagle-eyed or something like that right mm-hmm. and actually uh for the game that we work on right for blood of stars everything is actually a skill even though like it's it's you get upgrades that are skills and you can just imagine what kind of weapons they have right mm-hmm. and so everything's a skill and some of them are like well this is obviously based on the weapon that they have and some of these skills that they get are obviously you know the skills right but just to make things easier because our game is about simplifying it's just like uh keywords that you get and then they upgrade your attacks and then you can just headcanon whether for your guy it is a equipment or or it is uh the skills that they have yeah and part of how it appeared in our game is just because of the points value it's like oh okay the games each team is supposed to be built to a certain point value and okay you take the guys you want but then you have a bunch of points left you're like oh i don't want to yeah. throw them in the garbage so giving players something to do with like their spare points, uh-huh. it's just nice to have war gear exist in the games as well. Yeah, yeah. So I was just talking about the base skills, but yeah, like for our, for our game, we have a, a little bit of war gear, and that's kind of needed just to fill in, like you said, the army lists, right? Because 
if you don't that's actually a good point that that that's that's another reason to have these kind of small little point fillers especially when your units can be a certain size it's hard to like uh get up to your maximum get get the maximum let's say um the maximum output of the armors you choose right Mm -hmm. but when you have equipment and war gear often they're just a small addition in power and they kind of fill in that extra like they top you up in terms of power right like we said like you could have a ranger right and you have like i don't know let's say five rangers and i could take like three rangers and two two marksmen and let's say the marksmen are a little bit worse well then i can top up two of my rangers to let's say my little two little bit faster rangers a normal ranger, two marksmen versus five rangers can kind of balance out. It helps make it, you know. Again, this is just about, I guess, just making the games more balanced. Yeah, that's why I think in bigger games, when they do it so that you can be like, oh, you have a unit, and the unit could have, like, 10 to 20 guys. You could just take, like, 11 guys to mess with the points values. Uh-huh. If the game's not war gear focused, and that works fine in big scale games. But once you're down to yeah. smaller scale games with, like, six to ten guys it's much harder to just like tweak you need to have something that can tweak the points yeah to make make things work yeah yeah so yeah so why not though make units with war gear just another unit like for campaign play it's one thing right because you're saying these upgrades happen on these specific guys to Mm -hmm. tell a story but in a, in a game that's like one off for infinity, 40k, these kind of things, um, why not just make it a new unit? So I think it might be another practical consideration that if they're putting out a product line, they don't want to have to put out product for every single unit. That if okay. you're gonna that you want to give people these options, but mm-hmm. if they're gonna go and actually purchase these things, that it doesn't make a whole lot of sense if you're going to have two fairly similar things to put out two completely separate products for them to buy. That may make more mm-hmm. sense that one thing can represent both, or you have some weapons options in the box to customize it. So I think there might just mm. be a practical consideration from that perspective. And if the profiles are very similar, people can be like, oh, why'd you, why are you bothering to tell me to learn these two totally different units when I could just learn one thing and then two tweaks to it? Hmm. That makes sense. So I think it's. I guess there's also like we we often I think we've talked before about skew bloat, Mm -hmm. and being able to say okay this is the same unit you don't have to have an extra skew so skews are just like skew bloat is just oftentimes these successful games end up releasing way too many units and products on the shelf, So, so stores cannot hold all of the 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 product on their shelf right and that becomes a huge problem. Uh, when people want to, you know, get the units that they want to get for their army. But if you instead make the units, you know, the base units all the same, they can have a much smaller skew level. But let's say, like, like we talked about before with War Machine or Legion, you just add one, or, or Song of Ice and Fire, you add one unit and it changes the unit into a different unit while reducing the amount of uh, skews that you actually need to release, Right. And it also expands your army lists without, and the options, right, to make things uh, more different. You know, you have more variety. Let's say you got bored of the base unit. With a small tweak, the gameplay is slightly different, but not so uh, so different. Like if you added a, a new unit from what people expect, right? Mm-hmm. So it just it can add that variety to the game even though it's not a significant variety, right? Yep. Like, yeah, it's, it's not going to necessarily break the balance, although it can. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's not necessarily going to break the balance because you're like, okay, this is a basically this unit, except with this, some small tweaks on top, right, that allow people to explore that, kind of have fun with this different thing, uh, play slightly differently without, you know, throwing everything out of whack or at, yeah. Yeah, like the game maker would have to make whole new art for whole new units and all sorts of stuff like that. So that said, I would, this is a point where I do want to talk about where I think even though we, we we say a lot of positive things for Infinity, I feel like this is one of those places where I think I'm not 
I think Infinity goes wrong is that a lot of their units have war gear profiles, which is like, you know, you have an upgrade, right? You have a base unit, and then they have different varieties or, or variations of the unit with different upgrades. Some of the equipment they get is so different, it's like a different unit. Yep. Or sometimes they put out two different profiles. It's like, that's just a big gun. Like, did you have to make two big guns? Do you mean for the models? or Yes, or? for the models. Sometimes they, they bloat yeah. their own skew when I don't think they have to. Yeah, so I just feel like a lot of these units throwing in... For example, what, this is one of the things that I really don't like, um, is the proliferation of random units getting MSV2. So Multispectral Visor 2, which is this really supposed to be this special war gear that allows you to see through smoke and see through mimetism and stuff like that to, to be able to fire yeah, normally. Basically anything that would make things hard to hit, it just negates them, usually. Yeah. And so the MSV-2 is the special thing, and some units are almost defined by, well, they are defined by having MSV-2. Oh, they were, at least. And then now there's a whole bunch of different random units where you'll you'll have these guys, let's say, uh, Kaurij, who are super-jumping soldiers, right? They just have a random profile with MSV-2, which is entirely changes that unit, right? Because of how different you play a unit with MSV2 versus the base unit. Which is like giving, like, it's like giving one unit yeah. a really like huge ability that makes them totally different yeah. than everybody else in the unit. It's kind of like, uh, yeah, you should probably just make a different unit at one point. <clears throat> yeah, exactly, right? And it's especially Gollum because they have an MSV1 now, which does like a minor version of the MSV2 thing. And they could have given out MSV-1 as the thing that's more generic, right? Mm -hmm. And that have the MSV-2 still be special. And the biggest thing is that also, paradoxically, by like giving you options to make things special and different, they actually stripped the specialness of the original MSV-2 units. Because mm -hmm. it used to be those, those old MSV-2 units were so cool because they have MSV-2, but now like everyone and your mom could get MSV-2. Mm -hmm. So... Um, I feel like this is an, an issue like we talked about before, right? Like the, the food analogy of you just having way too many options where like the different options on your menu kind of blend together. Yeah, you can start turning one. You can start, you can turn your hamburger basically into like a lasagna. It's like, what? I just add a bunch of options and now it's <laughs> lasagna? Like, yeah, it's just, just, it just switch, switch the just patties for lasagna yeah. noodles. Oh, oh, look. Change the tomato for tomato sauce. Okay. Did I just make lasagna? <laughs> Almost. You mm -hmm. can also tweak your like lasagna and add like a bun. Put put the lasagna on a bun and then strip out the noodles for lettuce and cheese. Oh, okay. That's weird. Mm -hmm. um, so, and ground beef as, as a patty. So, it's the kind of thing where when you're creating a list, right, you want each of the things to be like you want the list to be interesting and as interesting and as readable and and easy to use as possible when you have all of these options you kind of have that infinite option problem where people are unsure of what what the actual options are and you're also muddying these options so none of them really stand out for what they're supposed to be and who they are right and when you have a game like miniature gaming which is a lot about theme and interesting things your units should be special and interesting right it's not just about strategy right it's not just about who can like tweak the dials the best right people they want these units to mean something and then when they kind of blend together it becomes um you you definitely lose that individuality paradoxically Right, that you're tr you were trying to super special snowflake, but you blended everything. You have so many options; everything is basically just the same now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just think of Necromunda. You've got your guys, like your base guys. Your Jews have crappy armor and crappy weapons. You're like, oh, but if I go to the trading post, they can give me any weapons. I can now have better armor and better weapons, and now I'm just as good as like a regular guy. And you give him some like other tweaks that improve his shooting. It's like, okay, so these guys aren't different anymore. Well. 
they're supposed to be different but for their fighting skills and whatever but like the less said about how necromunda new necromunda uh <laughs> how it changed from the old necromunda the better i feel like mm-hmm. because there's definitely supposed to be a track right where jews are supposed to become gangers who are, are supposed to be, eventually become champions right they're all supposed to be on the same track they're supposed to upgrade there mm-hmm. so but the new necromunda I, I, let's not talk about it yeah exactly <laughs> I'm, I'm just like that's not how it works in my faction <laughs> anyway yeah that, that's that's true because of, of, of the way things go about um so um yeah, so we talked about infinity and defining things. Um, mm-hmm. What else did we want to go on? I feel like I had something else I wanted to go on specifically about that, but yeah, I'm I didn't write very good notes today. Eh, okay, I'm just thinking of like the difference of what you would do for small, medium, and large size games. Then large uh-huh. size games, it also seems almost seems fine to have almost no war gear, just like mostly fixed stuff, because you're you have so many choice of units and you're like in large games, I'm thinking you put like 12 units on the board. So because you have so many units you're adding, there's so many guys in each unit that having very little choice in your war gear, or at least only maybe your heroes have choices, it feels fine. Yeah, you know? I guess once you get to a certain scale, the different mm-hmm. units that you choose are essentially your war gear and upgrades, right? Yep. Like when we think about it, like if you think about Infinity, we were just finished talking about what's the difference between the quote unquote upgrade versus different unit. Not that much, right? If you're choosing, it's really a lot of it is about theme, right? And in mm-hmm. fact, like even the army builder in Infinity breaks it down to almost be just a choice of different units, right? As opposed to up to war gear, right? So yep. the difference in that that kind of thing is nebulous as well. And so when you get to a certain size, the units, you know, you have so many units, these little small changes are enough to give you player agency because you're you're feeling what Super Special Snowflake is your army, right? Not Mm -hmm. this individual hero, right? Yep. Often, right? And maybe your main hero, maybe it has like one upgrade or a small upgrade. But like overall, with these big things, as long as you're making enough choices to make it feel like it's your own, you don't necessarily need to say, oh, and this guy, this guy has a whip. Yeah, like Kings of War lets you kind of do that in a big game. I'm like, I don't know if this is such a good option. But it's not as crazy as 9th edition 40k where you can just add piles and piles of crap on. So... Mm -hmm. So I think this is one of those things that we, we, we talked about, like you mentioned, ninth edition, uh, and and we briefly went on on, on issues with Infinity, um, but like how why so we we said this basically that 40k is too much, right? There's too many upgrades, there's too much war gear, there's all this junk that's happening. How much? Why is 40k too much, and how much is too much in general? So if 40k only had 30 guys on the board, I think the level of war gear options, special skill options, vehicle upgrade options, army-wide options, because those all exist in 9th edition. If you only had 30 guys on the board and you were forced to take two like tank-sized things, I think it'd be okay. But the fact that you've got like 50 to 70, it's got, it just goes out of control. You've got to keep so all that. Just... Yep. It's because you've got to re- you've got to know your opponents. You have to know your own, and you've got to mm-hmm. build the whole thing and practically move the whole thing around. So it's yeah, it is a thing where if the point is to make you feel like a super special snowflake, mm-hmm. you should still be happy with you know getting upgrades, and it should not feel like a slog where you're like, oh, I have to choose this upgrade. And building an army, I don't know, building an army in 40k feels like, almost like, at some point, there's so many upgrades, it feels like a chore, right? Yeah, not even... When I'm doing an infinity army and choosing these things, tweaking, like saying, oh, I want this this version of the profile with the sniper rifle versus this, oh, if I change this to a normal rifle, then I can take this guy with a HMG, that feels good and fun. That's like 15 different unit choices, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's basically 15 different choices. For uh, for uh, 40k, you I don't probably think you necessarily bring... take 15 units, but there's so many different options you can give. 
Yeah, well, right? each of them is at least 15. Oh, each unit definitely has at least one option. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, we're looking at, I was looking at Exarch, ex, sorry, uh, Aspect Warriors for Eldar. You have your basic Eldar unit, then you mm-hmm. choose how many guys are in that unit. Yep. Then you choose the leader's war gear. Uh, war gear on the leader, and then you choose the ability. Oh, ability. So yeah, you have the weapon. That's what they say. The weapons on the leader, on the exarch who leads the aspect warriors, and then you choose the ability if you want it on the leader. So just choosing one Eldar unit, one Eldar aspect warrior unit, which doesn't even have that many options in terms of war gear that they can mm-hmm. add. That's what. Uh, number size of the group, uh, war gear that's three options per guy. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty basic Versus infinity. Unit. It's like you choose that guy, and then you it's one option, right? Mm-hmm. Of which profile you bring, right? So yeah. it's just just a lot cleaner and easier to do. Um, also, yeah, more- the army builders for 40k for some reason are not very good. Maybe it's because of the number of options that you could bring and choose. Yeah, it makes the whole system. It just much makes more it harder to build a, mm-hmm. a good army builder for it. Like there are, but they're just I don't really like them. They're kind of crappy. Yeah, and for some reason the medium size games we've played seems to get this choice more right. Just thinking of Song of Ice and Fire, you add unit attachments. Thinking of War Machine, you add unit attachments. You don't go in and yeah. customize every single thing. Which yeah, it's like again that one choice, right? Mm-hmm. You take your unit and then you add. You, which unit attachment do you want to add? And you can only add one unit attachment. And every unit that you choose is like one size. Technically, War Machine, you have two choices because you have size of unit and then you have unit attachment. Yeah, and the size isn't like infinite size. It's like, do you take the small size or do you take the big size of the unit? Yeah. So it's yeah. it's cut down your options. It stops like the analysis paralysis going on in the mm-hmm. unit building stage. It stops your opponent from being confused of what's going on with your army. Like, those two medium-sized games seem to strike a really good balance. Yeah, and... Um, yeah, it's just... It's enough, right? Like mm-hmm. I talked about before, when you have all of these, like, s- small tweaks, do they even matter? I feel like a lot of these tweaks in 40k don't matter. Mm-hmm. And when I played Apocalypse... It kind of changes in terms of size. Just the the change of saying you don't choose the exact size, you choose breakpoints, right? You choose like if it's a if, if it's a thirty unit, you choose 10, 20, 30. If it's mm-hmm. a aspect warriors, you take five or ten, right? Just that made things so much more simple, right? And then war gear options are way reduced in apocalypse, and I felt like apocalypse is a much cleaner game, right? Uh, with much fewer options. And it just made the game feel cleaner. Uh, and really, at at that size, the units should choosing should be the major thing. Not like, oh, this guy took a a you know the the let's say I have a a knob in my orc boys unit. It took a power claw versus a kill saw versus whatever. And then you know like how important is that? And how how why did they make me do these choices? Oftentimes when the choices are kind of obvious as well, right? Mm-hmm. Again, this is just super special snowflake stuff, right? Just so that I can say, oh, my knobs are, or sorry, my boys are slightly different than yours. Yeah, just thinking of list building in Infinity as well, it's kind of weird because they break it down into units, but in reality, how you build your army, well, you there are fire teams in it where you should take a certain number of guys together at once, but when you're making decisions uh-huh. around like how you build your army, often you're like, okay, I need this many long-range weapons. I want this many guys who go up the board and this many guys who are sort of good at hacking or whatever. That you might like pick a unit, but you're like, okay, I'm yep. taking this guy for a sniper rifle. And you're like, okay, I don't have enough points. I take the sniper rifle away, but I'm not putting in a different one of that particular like same name unit. I'm going to put in a different unit that has a sniper rifle to achieve the uh-huh. same thing. So really, yeah. like even the fact that it's broken down to units isn't almost how you're building your army. You're not building it by units. You're building it by more like tasks. So mm-hmm. I think that's that's generally what you do in all kind of army games, right? That's the fun mm-hmm. of the army building aspect. To yeah. me, I think the problem with 
40K is it just, it just allows you to tweak things to the smallest point mm-hmm. that most of them, I don't feel like, I feel like it's way over the amount that I need to feel like I have agency and that this is my army, right? Yep. Like, do I need this many tweaks? Does Do I need to have my leader have these kind of things, right? Do I choose the best weapon so that I equip them, right? Yeah, the fact like, that you... Can it just be like in Frostgrave where it's like you have a heavy weapon, or sorry, a large weapon, or you have a hand weapon, right? Hand mm-hmm. weapon is axe, sword, whatever thing. In 40k, is it that, does it add that much to say that this guy's axe, power axe, is slightly different than the power sword? Like the difference between that is so small. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like... In Warhammer, if you just like decide you're like, oh, I'm taking five tanks in this army versus two tanks in the other army, that's already a huge choice you've made. And the yeah. fact that they give you various choices in tanks too. You've already made a huge you can make huge choices there. Do you take like a transport tank or a armed tank? Mm-hmm. Just Yeah, and there's already- so many units. Do they how many variations do they really need? Right? Mm-hmm. And so it just feels like they could cut down the options by half. And, you know, of course, there's good people who complain. But, like, after they get over it, would they feel like they, they don't get to customize their army enough? Yeah. They literally add a whole bunch of different options in the, in the latest version, right? Mm-hmm. And so I just feel like... Yeah, there's no lack you of... You are paying truth. a price... To add these upgrades, it's not free to say that you can choose these three things, right? Yeah, if they had a really small selection of troop choices in Warhammer, you could see it. Mm -hmm. Because they have such a wide variety of troop choices in every army, you're not starved. You don't feel starved for choice at all. Yeah, so I just feel like it's way over. And the thing that that kind of like drives that point home is if you play uh, one-page rules, Mm -hmm. they literally do that. Like they trim down the options right for all the units every unit we talked about you can't just choose seven knobs right there's just two sizes basically and the two sizes is basically do you take one unit or do you double up the unit right and that's the option for every unit except for characters which you can only take one right and so that's just the rules of the game and that's already simplifying the game a lot and then each one has like a certain set of upgrades right three or four or five kind of things um honestly the upgrades are a little bit too much now that i think about it yeah it all fits on one page and it still feels like too much in one page rules yeah for for us but like i can understand maybe we want a little we we don't need as many upgrades as other people Mm -hmm. i i feel like also i wonder if it's a difference because when we paint our models and we we assemble them that's like a huge part of our hobby mm-hmm. and doing that gives us a lot of sense of individuality and super special snowflakiness that we mm-hmm. get a lot of that just from painting the army and assembling them so we don't need a lot necessarily as much from the gameplay right that's like a value add or, or an option on top but like if you don't enjoy the painting and the painting is just you know, the painting and the assembly is almost like a chore to get to play the game or a much smaller portion. Mm -hmm. You might not, you might need more of the gameplay to make your units feel significant because you didn't get that enjoyment to see your very specially painted army on the tabletop. To you, it was just, oh, there was this chore I had to do. Yeah, And maybe even painted it like, you know, the... The generic color, they just, right? They just want the studio scheme. They just want it like yeah. to exist. Mm-hmm. They want it to look like how it's supposed to look, and that's not where they're getting that specialness from. So mm-hmm. maybe to them, I'm just guessing. I haven't asked anyone <laughs> uh, that that helps them replace, or, or or that's what they're that's how they're filling in their super special snowflake quota <laughs> to make them feel satisfied. Whereas we're like, oh, you're, why are you paying this price when you can just pay in your army and it would be super individualistic because of that? You don't need to get it from from there, right? And then it bogs the game down. So, yep, just different different goals for different people. But let's say you don't want to screw over either group, and we're, what we're talking about today is basically the group that's into list building. So, 
Yeah, so I think for, from the way we've talked about it, I feel like it, it it's probably true that we we think it's less important than a lot of players. So yeah, and every player is different, right? So you want to just make the game like as easy to play and give the options enough to make people feel special and 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 also um, invite uh, you know, spark people's imaginations, right? Because often these options spark the imagination. Uh, like, how many 40k players have started kit bashing because they saw a super powerful, I don't know, weapon upgrade that they could put on their captain, so that they had to cut off that weapon and put on a different weapon, right? Like, I'm sure like a lot of people got into the kit bashing and that kind of stuff because they tried to model the amazing, you know, war gear that, that the unit could have, as opposed to they wanted to kitbash the unit first, right? Mm-hmm. So this does technically spark imagination, right, to have these kind of things. So, But you got to balance that, right? you got to balance that with the extra complication, with the muddying of different units, about how they work to... about making sure that your units ha- have clearly defined rules and these upgrades don't kind of blend everything together, about all these kind of you know negative effects about having all these different upgrades. Yep, so I think we got our biased opinion out there. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's uh, basically our thoughts on uh, upgrades, uh, both uh, in one-off games and campaigns. So uh, if you have any thoughts on upgrades, if you want to pipe in and tell us that you really really love that upgrades and those uh you know the the space marine captain's ability to take a thunder hammer uh changed your life uh and (laughs) changed Mm -hmm. the way you played that army and made you feel so much more uh engaged with that army give us a shout we'd love to hear about it you can uh email us at contact at diceovereverything.com yeah or find us on facebook at diceovereverything It's been Alan. Yeah, it's been Brandon. Bye.